are the Young Family. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And this is David. And this is Nathan. And we've been coming to SEC since the beginning of this year, 2020, pre-COVID. And today we're going to be reading uh, James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. All right, bye, SBC. Bye, SBC. So cute. How's everybody? Good to see everyone here. Good to see your faces. Thanks for braving the weather and spending part of your Sunday with us here. Um, well, it's a privilege to be able to share with you all this morning as we continue in this series called Faith Works. I love the book of James, so this has been really good. And this morning we're going to continue the series, and we're going to look at how to develop a faith that doesn't hold on to hurt. And as you saw, it was from James chapter 3. If you have your outlines, you can go ahead and have those ready. We'll have a lot of fill-ins here. Um, but I think this will be a very helpful message to all of us. Now, the fact is, because we live on planet Earth, everything is broken by sin. We're, we're all sinners. We're all imperfect. And because of that, we are all going to experience hurt in our lives. Some point or another, we're going we're gonna to have hurt. In fact, you've probably already been hurt many times in your life. You may have a hurt right now that you are still holding on to, that you're having a hard time letting go of. So when you, when you have a hurt, the real question is, what do you do with it? What do you do with that hurt? Do you, do you continue to hold on to that hurt? Do you let it fester and grow and multiply? Or have you learned the wisdom and the skill of letting that hurt go? You know, it, it seems to me like our world is getting more and more divided, more polarized, um, angry, bitter. On social media as well as on, the, on TV news, it seems like, you know, a lot of people, they just like, they enjoy calling each other names. They just yell at each other. Uh, spewing hateful things at each other. The reality is no one really listens to anybody. They don't really care what you're saying. They just That's why it's so hard to even watch the news, it seems like, at times, because they just talk over each other. And it's like, what are they even trying to say? Because nobody really listens to anybody. Most of us will probably agree that the divisiveness and the polarization in our world right now is probably the worst that we've seen in, in our lifetime. But you know, it's, it's nothing new. It's not new at all. Human beings have always been self-centered. You understand that. Since Adam and Eve chose to be self-centered, human beings have been self-centered. Take the book of Romans in the Bible, for example. The book of Romans was written during the Roman Empire a couple thousand years ago. And when you read Romans and how Paul was describing the Roman culture it sounds a lot like the culture that we're living in today. The first century and the 21st century have a lot, of, a lot in common in that sense. So I'm going to read to you what Paul says about his culture 2,000 years ago. 
Romans chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, he says this. Everyone is turned from God and is going in the wrong direction. No one is living right. Nobody is living right. People tell lies about each other that stink like an open grave. They verbally attack each other with poisonous words like the venom of a deadly snake. Their speech is filled with vicious curses and bitter resentment, and they are quick to react violently with anyone who disagrees. Does that sound familiar? I think I just saw that on the news. So wherever they go, they leave division and misery because they've never learned how to live in peace. Again, sounds a lot like what we're living in today, doesn't it? But just about the same time that Paul is writing to the, uh, writing about this Roman culture and these non-believers, this guy that we've been studying, James, he's writing to the Christians who were spread all throughout the Roman Empire, and they were, there was a lot of persecution against them. So while Paul's talking about this culture and what it's like for these non-believers there, James is concerned about the Christians. And he's worried and doesn't want them to be infected by the negativity or by the culture that is around them. He, he, he's worried that they may pick it up, pick up these attitudes and this negativity of, of around. And, he, and he's like, I don't want you to do this. That's why he's writing what he's writing. He wanted Christians to be different in their attitude than the rest of the culture, so different that everybody noticed it. They're like, man, this culture is like this, but these people are so different. What, why are they so different? And this is what James is talking about. So with great boldness and great clarity, James points out the hypocrisy in the Christians of that day. And he basically says, you know, you guys are acting no different than the non-believers. You're, you're acting the same. It's, it's, you're being hypocrites. He's like, but what makes it worse is you all know better. And you're still living this way. You don't have to live this way. It's like you're living a double life. It's kind of the sense of saying, he's like, it's, it's hypocritical to come to church and worship God and say nice, loving people to all of the people when you're together worshiping at church and then to go and be mean and nasty and demeaning to the people out there in the world, whether it's social media, whether it's your coworkers, or wherever it may be. See, it's hypocritical. We're not to be that way. That's basically what James is saying. So this is the passage that we're looking at that was read to us. Um, but I'm going to read it with a little bit of different emphasis as, as we do. And this is what James is saying to believers. And you're going to see on your outline, as I give some emphasis, James 3, 9, and 10, says, in worship, so think about in worship, we praise our Lord and Father, but then in the world, we curse the people that God himself created in his own image. Out of the same mouth come blessing and bitterness. Brothers and sisters, this is not right. This is no, there's no way that sweet water and bitter water can flow from the same spring. So if you're taking notes, what I would encourage you to do is circle blessing and bitterness. Circle blessing and bitterness. Because what James is saying here, he's saying it's a contradiction for both of these things to be coming out 
in our speech if we claim to be a follower of Jesus. It's a contradiction. He says, just as a spring cannot bubble up fresh water and salt water from the same source, he's saying, if words of blessing are coming out of your mouth at church, but words of bitterness are coming out at home or at your work or with the people that you disagree with politically, he says, you know what? You've got a problem with your heart. It's a heart problem. He says, evidently, you're holding on to some hidden hurt, some things that are in your life, that have made you bitter. And now you've stored that up inside. And it's creating this bitterness to come out. So what I'd like to do in the time that we have here this morning is simply ask two questions kind of from the text that we've read. First question is, why should I never hold on to a hurt? Why should I never hold on to a hurt? And we're going to look at the cost of bitterness because there is a cost. There is a price tag. If you're going to live with bitterness in your life, then we're going to ask the question, how do I let it go? There's a cost, but then how do I let it go? Because we know from experience, it is not easy to let go of hurt. It's not easy to offer forgiveness to other people, those that have hurt us. And no doubt, many of you who are you're watching online this morning or, or listening to this message in here are carrying a heavy load of hurt and pain because the reality is we hurt each other. And you may have been hurt deeply by people in your life and you probably don't feel like forgiving them and letting, the, letting it go. Or I just don't feel like it. So first, what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a little bit of motivation to try to help you. Let me give you some reasons from the Bible on why we should never really hold on to any hurt, why we need to let it go. I'm going to give you first the cost of bitterness, the cost of holding on to hurt. You might want to write these down. Number one, anytime I harbor a hurt, I walk out of God's will. Anytime I harbor a hurt, I walk out of God's will. Why? Well, because the Bible says that bitterness is a sin. God says bitterness is a sin. So it's definitely never God's will for your life to be a bitter person. When I harbor hurt in my heart, I'm actually then choosing to disobey what God says because he's saying don't hold that hurt in your heart. Don't hold that bitterness. Don't be bitter. Don't be resentful. So then I'm choosing to be out of God's will when I'm doing that. I'm choosing to forfeit the blessing that God has for me in my life. That's what you do when you hold on to these things. And I'm choosing not to be used by God. God wants to use us, but he can't or he won't when we're holding on to these things. Okay, so you're harboring the hurt. This is what James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 20. He says, if you're angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. Think about that. That's a powerful verse. I'm going to give you, there's another translation you're going to see in a second, but before I get to that one, the next one that's on your outline, I have a couple other ones because this is really powerful. In the ICB translation, it says, anger will not help you live the good life that God wants. And then in the God's Word translation, it says, an angry person doesn't do what God approves. And then in your outline in the today's English version, it says, human anger does not achieve God's righteous purpose. 
You know, God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. But when you're living with this, you cannot achieve that purpose for God. I mean, how many people really think that they're going to change the world by getting angry at something or someone? Think that's going to change anything other than just ostracizing people in your life? Well, Job tells us in the Old Testament, Job, he tells us that resentment really reveals a disobedient heart instead of a righteous heart. In Job chapter 36, it's not there on your outline, but I thought I would include this. Job 30, in chapter 36, he says, Those who have wicked hearts hold on to anger. They hold on to anger. You know what that's called? Bitterness. When you hold on to anger, that's resentment. So he says, first you let go of it. Because we'll walk out of God's will every time we become resentful. All right, so then number two. If you want to write this in, anytime I breathe bitterness, I suffocate my spirit. Anytime I breathe bitterness, I suffocate my spirit. Here's the thing. Bitterness doesn't just choke out your happiness. It doesn't just choke out your emotions. Bitterness strangles your spirit. It suffocates your spirit. You know, it's like you're choosing to carry this heavy load of stinky garbage everywhere you go. But you don't have to do that. But, but it's like you're carrying it around. It's, it's really heavy and you're just carrying it with you. But some reason, we just continue to do it. Even though it's heavy and it's weighing me down, I'm just going to keep on carrying this, this load here. This unnecessary load. So bitterness will weigh you down. It depresses your spirit. Look at Proverbs 27.3. A stone is heavy. Sand is weighty. But resentment caused by a fool is heavier than both. Here's the, a silly thing. Kind of sad. Sometimes we think that we're actually hurting the person who hurt us by holding on to that hurt. By holding a grudge. That somehow me being mad long after the event ever happened, that it's somehow going to make you miserable. And I'm just holding on to it. But bitterness really is just a worthless weapon. It doesn't hurt them. It only makes you miserable, not the other person. You know, it could have happened years ago. And they're not even thinking about you. You're the one obsessing with them. They're out at Ruth's Chris eating a steak dinner, partying it up, and they have no idea that you're even thinking about anything about them. They're not thinking about you. You're the one that's obsessed with the hurt. They've already moved on with their life. It's a worthless weapon. It's as if you are drinking poison, hoping that that poison is going to kill that person. It doesn't work. You're just killing yourself. Now, some of you were hurt by people a long time ago. And I would say, I'm, I'm sorry that you were hurt. And I'm sorry that they hurt you. But can I tell you some good news this morning? Maybe even by a person that is no longer alive. But I want to give you some good news. Is they can't hurt you anymore. Those people, even if it, they are alive and they hurt you a long time ago, they can't hurt you anymore. The only way that they can continue to hurt you is if you choose to hold on to that hurt. And you rehearse it over and over in your mind. 
So I want to tell you, they can't hurt you anymore. That's why Job in chapter 18, verse 4, says this. You're only hurting yourself with your anger. You're just hurting you. So when I harbor hurt, I walk out of God's will. God stops blessing my life. When I breathe bitterness, I end up suffocating my spirit. Now there's a third cost of holding on to hurt, and it's this, if you want to write this in. Anytime I internalize my anger, I harm my health. We've seen that. And other people, maybe in yourself. Anytime I internalize my anger, I harm my health. It's bad for your body. Many studies have shown that resentment is the most physically damaging emotion that you can have. Just like they say gratitude is one of the best emotions that you can feel for your, uh, for your body. It's the healthiest emotion you can have. Resentment can be the most damaging on your body. It's bad for your body. It's a source of all kinds of physical ailments. And now doctors have discovered this probably over the last 100 years. But thousands of years ago, again, Job says this in chapter 5. He says, to worry yourself to death with resentment is a foolish, senseless thing to do. You know, sometimes we're so careful with what we eat because we want to be healthy. We want to take care of our bodies. So we watch what we eat. But I would say there's a bigger issue And the bigger issue is not what you eat, but it's what's eating you. That's a lot more damaging. That'll shorten your life a whole lot faster than what you're actually physically eating. It's what's in there eating you because bitterness is a cancer and it will eat you up. And we've probably all known people who have been eaten up by bitterness. They shrivel up, they just get to themselves, and they kind of die. Solomon noticed this several thousand years ago in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 17. He says, all they get are days full of sadness. And, and this is the sad part. Hopefully it's not you. But we probably know people like this. All they get are days full of sadness and sorrow. And they end up sick, defeated, and angry. Do you know anybody like that? You know, doctors say that they could empty probably about 50% of their hospitals or up to 50% of the hospitals if people could get rid of guilt and resentment because that's what's putting them in the hospital because of this feeling of guilt and resentment. All right, now the fourth price that you pay when you allow bitterness to stay in your life is this. If you want to write this in, anytime I hold a grudge, I will hurt many people. Anytime I hold a grudge, I will hurt many people. You see, unfortunately, resentment is contagious. Bitterness can be spread verbally. You give it to other people by the way you talk, and it ends up ruining their lives too. It just doesn't ruin your happiness. We've all seen this happen where in families where one bitter person makes the whole entire family miserable. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says this, Look after each other so that you keep living in God's grace, being gracious to each other. See to it that no root of bitterness grows among you. So pause right there, because what he's saying is, don't let any root of bitterness grow in your relationship with your spouse with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers, in your life group, in your church. It says, 
It doesn't matter wherever. He says, be gracious to each other. See to it that no bitterness grows up among you. And then he goes on to say, because if you become bitter about anything, you'll miss God's grace. And that will cause much trouble. A bitter person will poison and ruin everyone else. Think about that. That's what the Bible says. A bitter person will poison and ruin everyone else. Maybe you've experienced that. So let me just ask you a very personal and a very pointed question. Do you want to be that kind of person? I don't. Do you want to be known for your resentment? Be known for your bitterness or your crankiness? Someone who just won't let go of a hurt? You know, you were hurt so many years ago and you're still living with it. So you're willing to cause a ton of relational damage in other people's lives too. And every, Because you want, you know, if I'm miserable, misery loves company. So if I'm miserable, you are going to be miserable too. Is that what you want? I would say that's too expensive. Too expensive of a cost. We cannot afford resentment in our own lives and the way it affects other people. Then finally, there's a fifth cost of bitterness and unforgiveness. And I would say this is the most expensive price tag of all for us. And it's this. Anytime I won't forgive, I block God's forgiveness. Anytime I won't forgive, I block God's forgiveness. You know, anytime I won't forgive you for some hurt that you've done to me, I block God's forgiveness in my own life. Look at Matthew 6, 15. Jesus says this, If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. He's saying, I block God's forgiveness when I'm unforgiving. In other words, I cannot expect to receive from God what I am unwilling to give you or give to others. It's a very important statement. It's a high price. If I'm unforgiving, I will be unforgiven. That's basically what he's telling us here. It's a high price tag. So when we look at this list of five costs of holding on to hurt that I just gave you, let me ask you then, again, is it worth it? Is it worth holding on to that grudge, whatever it might be? Is it worth being bitter? Is it worth refusing to let that person off the hook, possibly? Because when I harbor hurt, I walk out of God's will. When I breathe bitterness, I suffocate my spirit. When I internalize my anger, I harm my health. It's bad for my body. When I hold a grudge, I hurt many people. And when I won't forgive, I block God's forgiveness in my own life. So the bottom line is this. Bitterness is not worth it. Resentment is not worth it because the price tag is way too high in our lives. So you're going, okay, great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I do see that these, the price is too high. But how do I do it? How do I let go of this hurt? Maybe for some of you, how do I let go of this hurt that I don't want to let go of? Because I've been holding on to it for so long. I don't know that I want to let go of it. So how do I do it? Well, the Bible tells us three things to do three things with our hurt. These are simple, and you're going to be like, well, that's not like rocket science. No, it's not. These are simple, but they're very profound. All right? So here's the first one. If you want to write this in, how do I let it go? Number one, this is the, the main, as we're going into this, the first one is give it to God. Super simple, very profound. Give it to God. So many times we don't. We just hold it, and we're not willing to give it. Give it to God. Let him handle it. Unload it 
on the Lord. You say it like this. God, this hurt is too heavy for me to handle, for me to carry. I'm not even smart enough to know what to do with it. Because I'll probably make a mess of it if I try to do anything with it. So, Father, I'm giving you this hurt. You take it. This person has hurt me, and I would like for you to take it. And I'd like for you to handle it. So basically, I'm washing my hands of it, God, and it's on you. You take it, you deal with it. And that's what you say, and you give it to God. Now, here's the good news. The good news, you know that God has already volunteered to do that. That's what he wants us to do. That's what he wants to do for us. He's willing to take our hurts. He actually commands us to unload it on him. That's what he wants. He wants to take these things from us. And then even Jesus says this in Mark 11:25 in the Amplified Translation says, "Whenever you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him." And then listen to this. I love this. Let it drop. Forgive him. Let it drop. Just leave it and let it go in order that your Father in heaven may also forgive you for your failings and your shortcomings and let them drop. He says, I'm going to cut you some slack. Now you cut them some slack. I'm going to do that for you. He says, I will drop the stuff in your life. Now you just drop the stuff in their life. So based on this statement, let me ask you, how much energy does it take to drop something? doesn't really take any energy at all, right? Then, you know, if I take this and I want to drop it, the only energy that it takes for me to drop this, that's it. I didn't really do anything other than move my fingers out of the way. It did all the work. It dropped. And that's what he's saying. Let it go. All the energy that you've used to hold on to that hurt, he says, drop. And then take that energy that you've been squeezing and holding on to that grudge or that hurt or whatever it is, let it go, and now you can use that energy for good things, to work on things in your life that are to be used for more important things, for constructive projects in your life or whatever that may be, to let it go and to drop it. And then later in 1 Timothy, Paul adds these words about what God wants us to do. In 1 Timothy 2.8, he says, What is needed everywhere is for people to lift up their holy hands in prayer instead of having angry disputes and resentment. What is he saying here? He's saying, okay, instead of being out there just talking about all the things in life that are unfair for you or you think are unfair in your life, instead of just talking to others, communicate to God. How many times do we like forget the God part? of talking to God. You know, we're so quick to go talk to somebody about something, and they're like, have you prayed about it? Uh, no, that's a good idea, though. Maybe I should do that. Communicate to God. Talk to Him. He wants it. He says, lift up your hands in prayer instead of being angry and resentful. Now, a lot of times when I'm reading a scripture, if I want to help understand it a little bit better, I'll, I'll read it, but then I'll take the message uh, paraphrase, and I'll read it there because it helps kind of like bring some life to some verses. So look at the message translation of the same verse, 1 Timothy 2.8, where God says, what I want mostly is for men to pray. And I love this. Not shaking angry fists at enemies, but raising holy hands to God. You see the difference here? You stop shaking your angry fists at all the people that you're upset with, that you disagree with, and you start raising holy hands in prayer to God instead. And instead of shaking your fist at them, 
You pray for them. So let me ask you, have you been wasting too much time shaking your fists at your cultural enemies? How about your political enemies? Uh, your personal enemies? Been so busy shaking your fist, why don't you start raising your hands in prayer instead of holding, let go. You know, when, you, when you're holding a grudge, shaking your fist, they're like this. When you let go and you pray, it changes everything. I believe you'll get a whole lot better results if you'll just let it go. Pray about it. Talk to God about it. He wants to hear from you. So today, if you're serious about reducing anger and frustration and the bitterness in your life, I want to challenge you to do something for the next 30 days because what's going to happen in about 30 days? The election. 30 days. I think from yesterday, actually, is 30 days. Because the next 30 days between now and the presidential election is probably going to be way more divisive than it's already been. So if you think it's been bad, just hold on, put your seatbelt on because it's going to get even more crazy. There's going to be even more mudslinging. There's going to be yelling at each other, people getting in fights, families splitting over the craziness that's going on because people take this stuff really seriously. So what if for the next 30 days, between now and the election, maybe the best thing that you can do to get some real perspective in your life is to do a social media and news fast. Now, I know some of you online, you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, and so continue to watch. But I'm just saying limit the, the other parts of your time. So maybe do that. Maybe have a perspective, get a better perspective and do this fast. So I'm spending, instead of spending so much time on Facebook, like Pastor Jerry says, spend more time in this book, in God's Word. And when you're spending time with God in His Word, talk to Him. Talk to him about things. Ask him about things. All the things you feel are unfair. All the things, the hurts that you have in your own life. All those things. Talk to God about it. And stop watching the news because it's probably just going to upset you because what happens most of the time? You, do, you end up walking away going, I don't even know what they said because they're just yelling at each other, talking over each other or whatever it is. So it just really did nothing but make my day feel worse. And then on social media, you know, there's so many people, they're just trolling to get you angry. You know, they're there, they're ready to hook you, to make you angry, so that you'll respond. Best thing to do is just stay away from it, especially the next 30 days. You'll have a lot less health problems if you'll do that. Plus, I believe you'll get a lot more perspective. So maybe think about that. Give your hurt to God and go through a media fast. And then as Romans 12 reminds us, Romans 12:19 says this, Never avenge yourself. Leave that to God, for he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Who's got the bigger arsenal, you or God? God. That's right. Who can handle better, you or God? God. So never avenge yourself. Leave it to God. It's like my daddy's bigger than your daddy. He's got this. We're good. So first you give it to God. Here's the second step. How do you let go of your hurt? The second one, if you want to write this in, is you heal it with grace. You heal it with grace. You heal your hurt with grace. So I want you to think about this. I mean, often the person who has hurt you in your life, um, they probably have a lot of guilt in their own life. Because the saying is true. Hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. 
So maybe, why don't you offer them a little bit of grace? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, you know, be forgiving. Remembering how much God has forgiven you, be forgiving to others. And he says, always be kind. He says, just as Christ has forgiven you. So think about this. The reality is, I'll never have to forgive anybody more than God has already forgiven me. There's no way. All that he's forgiven me, there's no way I'll ever have to forgive somebody that much. And one of the reasons that so many people have a hard time letting go, a hard time forgiving, is because they have never felt fully forgiven themselves. Maybe that's what you feel. And you go, well, if I don't feel good about me, I certainly don't want you feeling good about you. Or if I don't feel forgiven, I'm not forgiving you. We can remedy that. We can change that. You just remember how much God has already forgiven you. And it makes the forgiveness of other people a lot easier when you really think about it that in your own mind. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're, you say, Rich, this is all good. I, I, I hear you. I give it to God. Okay, then I trust God to handle it. I know what you're thinking. I don't have the strength to do this. That's what you're thinking. I don't have the power to do this. I don't have the energy to do this. I don't have the ability to forgive that person who has hurt me so deeply. I'm weak. I just don't think I can do it because I'm weak. You know what I believe that God's response to your weakness is? He says, great, congratulations. You know, congratulations on understanding that you have weakness and you can't do it on your own ability because now we can actually get something done because you've been trying to do it yourself and it's not working how's that working out for you so now that you realize you're weak we can do something here as long as you're trying to do it on your own power probably going to fail but now that you realize you're weak and that you can't do it on your own that you're going to depend on me god says now we can get something done because of this look at second corinthians 12 9 if you don't believe me god says this my gracious favor is all you need because my power works best in your strength. No, that's not what it says. What does it say? My power works best in your weakness. That's where God shines in our weaknesses. He always shines, but he really shines in our weakness. So for you to say, I'm weak, I don't know that I can forgive, I don't know that I can let it go, that's a step that we're talking about right here. Okay, So it means, God, I need your grace. I humble myself, God, and I need your grace. James says, God gives grace to the humble. Now, what does it mean in practical sense to heal a hurt with grace? Well, it means you not only forgive that person, but you also change the way you talk to them or about them. Maybe even just let it go. Drop it. Let them off the hook. And then you're more gracious in your speech. You stop being so judgmental and you start being more gracious with them. Colossians 4, 6 says this, Everything you say should be kind and well thought out so that you know how to answer everyone. You know, the reality is, as a, as a believer, as we were looking earlier how James was trying to help the Christian 
people look different from their culture. God really does want us to look different from our culture. We should stand out. We should be a shining, bright light in a dark culture. We really shouldn't say any unkind thing about anybody. Don't say any unkind thing about some political person. I've been guilty of that. Don't say anything about somebody you disagree with, about somebody who's different from you. Everything that we say should be kind and well thought out so that we know how to answer everyone. So let me just get right to the point. If you claim to be a Christian, and I'm talking to myself as well, if you claim to be a Christian, there should never be any unkind words spoken out of your mouth. Why? Because we should look different. We should be a light that people are attracted to. Unkind words don't attract. They repel. God's saying be kind. Everything we say must be kind. Again, the message translation of Colossians 4.6, I think, makes it crystal clear for us. Look at it. It says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in our conversation. Not put them down, nor to cut them out. So we need to let grace heal our hurt. So, so what do I do with my hurts? First, I give them to God. Then I heal them with grace. And finally, there's a third thing the Bible says to do, and it's this. Take your hurts, take that hurt, and nail it to the cross. Take that hurt and nail it to the cross. What do I mean by that? What do I mean when I say nail it to the cross? Well, bitterness is a sin. Resentment is a sin. And Jesus died for all of our sins, including your bitterness. On the cross, he took every sin of every human being, including all my bitterness and all my resentment. So where does my sin belong? It belongs on the cross. That's where it belongs. He already took it. He already paid for it. It's there. He put it on the cross with himself. That's where it's supposed to stay. It's not supposed to stay with us. It belongs on the cross. So here's what you do. Look at Galatians 5, 24 and 25. It says to do this. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed their sinful attitudes and their desires to his cross and crucified them there. So now the Holy Spirit has given us a new life and power. Let us follow his leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be pridefully stubborn, which can cause resentment, or irritate each other, which can cause resentment, or be jealous of each other, which can cause bitterness and resentment. He said, let us nail all those sins to the cross. So in your minds, I want you to picture the cross of Jesus. There's a cross back behind me. I don't know if you can see that online, but there's a cross back behind me. But maybe in your mind you just think, I'm going to take that sin, my hurt, my bitterness, and I'm going to put it back where it belongs, on the cross. That's where it belongs because Jesus has already taken it there for us. He died for that hurt. He died for that sin that has hurt me. He died for our bitterness. So let's wrap this up. I, I truly believe if you'll take this message this morning, to kind of work through this and wrestle through this, if you'll take this, more, this message this morning and you'll really apply it to your life, it can change so many things in your life. You can be a different person. So are you ready to begin a new chapter in your life today with less misery, 
because that's what it causes. Less stress. Hurt causes stress. You want more satisfaction? Do you want better health? Do you want stronger relationships? And a bucket load of other benefits because you do know that God has a purpose for your life. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, God has a purpose for your life. But if you're holding on to that hurt, I'd say it's like an anchor that I'm holding on to. And when I'm holding on to that hurt, that anchor holds me in place. And I can never be the person that God wants me to be until I decide to let go. Then I can truly live out the purpose that God has for my life. doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. And I'll have to go back to him and ask for forgiveness and work through all these things multiple times. But it's when it happens to let go, to let go of it. So here's the secret. Stop paying the high price of holding on to a hurt. You take the bitterness, you take that resentment, and you give it to God and say, God, it's yours. I'm not going to deal with it anymore. You can have it. And then you heal it with grace. You speak differently. You, you talk differently. You're a different person to that person. And that can change attitudes. That can change so many things. You heal it with grace. And then in your mind, you nail it to the cross and you leave it there. And you don't take it back. It's not yours to take. It's his. And he already did it. So let's pray and ask him for his help in this. Thank you, Father, so much for your love. Thank you for this message of reconciliation. Jesus, we're so grateful for you. Lord, today... Maybe just make this your prayer. Lord, today, I symbolically in my mind want to take all my sins, including these hurts, and I want to nail it to the cross. So right now, picture in your mind, I am nailing it to the cross, and I'm not taking it back. I don't want to be pridefully stubborn. I don't want to irritate other people. I don't want to be jealous of others. I want to live in peace as much as possible. So please, by your power, help me to live this message out today. Help me to let go of this hurt in my life. I thank you for that. Maybe for some of you this morning, you've never invited Jesus into your heart. Maybe just pray this prayer this morning. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Because before I can forgive and offer forgiveness to others, I need your forgiveness in my life. I admit I have sinned against you, and I'm sorry for that. But I believe that you took the punishment for my sins when you died on the cross. Thank you, and I believe that you rose again. And today, I'm choosing to follow you. Make that your prayer if you've never done that. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. As much as I know how, I give you my life, and I'm choosing to follow you today. Now we can all pray this. Now please replace my hurt with your love. Please replace my anger with your peace. And please replace my resentment with your grace. Heal my heart, heal my mind, and heal my body. Save me, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, we just give you all the thanks and praise. Thank you for being willing to take all of this for us. Thank you, Father, for wanting to take our burdens, that we can cast them onto you and you will gladly take them from us. Help us all here in person or online to live out the purpose that you have for for our lives. And may we be a shining light in this world that needs you so much, especially in this time. And we just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you again for joining us this morning.
I'm glad you guys took the time out. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, And I do believe with all my heart as I was preparing this, I do believe that if you'll take this and apply it in your life, that it will make a difference. It'll make a difference for you. You can can live out the purpose that God has for your life if you'll work through these things, understanding the cost and dealing with letting go of the hurt in your life. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for being here. Hey, thank you for joining us online. We're so thankful that you were joining us this morning. We pray that you have an awesome Sunday, and we'll see you next week. And then.